Gamer special episode. We were Thronesers. We were Westerosi. We were HBOers. We were, we were probably murdered in the many wars that happened in this TV show. <laughs> we we died at the Battle of Winterfell, or any of the other battles in the many subsequent seasons, or in the uh, well, oh, wait, previous wait, seasons. Wait before we where other places we could have died before we go there. Spoiler warning for Game of Thrones, all of it. Yeah, like, I will consider myself a big lore fan of this show. If you're ready to be spoiled in every aspect of HBO, books, books yeah. fan theories, uh -huh. ideas, uh -huh. I'm going to talk about a lot of it. Good. So get ready for that. Good. And if you're somehow a person <laughs> who hasn't seen the show and you're listening to this anyway, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're assuming you've seen the show, though. Uh, right. We're gonna. We're not necessarily gonna explain everything up to now. Right. Uh, so this is, will be our Game of Thrones special that was hinted at in episodes previous. We haven't talked about Game of Thrones in a while, JJ. Uh, we kind of yeah said we were gonna leave it until the end. And think. what an end it was. <laughs> uh, but we'll get there later. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know today. I thought about this podcast a lot, and I thought about season eight, which is the one that just ended, and all the things I would want to say, and where the story left us, and all the characters we've spent years with, and everything else along those lines, and and I just kept ending up with questions, and more questions, and frustrations, and I didn't, I th I was glad we didn't talk about it along the way because it would have we would have been frustrated with a lot of things because we didn't know where they were ending up, and also right. you end up on the internet and you start reading gross fan reactions, and I didn't want to be one of those people that was just angry. And you know, in the moment, I feel some of those people's pain. Absolutely, yeah. and it, it, especially where some of the cuts are in this season, it, very obvious where the various endings of the various arcs are. There is a lot to be yeah. desired. <laughs> less, less, uh, this happened less with Lost, I guess, but I felt the same. Like at the end of Lost, I didn't have any questions. I was just like, huh, okay, well, it's over. Yeah, I, and, I guess I still had quite a few questions at the end of Lost, but it was more like, okay, I yeah. see what they went for here. I don't like this, but this is what they wanted to do, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I, was, I was in a similar headspace at the end of this, I would have to say. And so, all day, thinking up to this podcast, I was just, I was a little down, man. I didn't know where to go or what to do or where to start with all this. So, help me out, brother. Well, uh, why don't we start at the beginning of season eight, anyway? Oh, so I was going to say, okay, Ned Stark... Right, so there's Ned Stark and this family, and they find these wolves, and... It, no, oh, the wolves. We're just going to leave all that... Yeah, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> uh, let's leave all that aside. We're going to start at the beginning of season eight, right? Let's talk Where about were symbolism we? for a second. Hold on. Wolves okay. represent mm -hmm. the protection of the North. Oh, God. The dog just wanted to be pet. Where, Why can't where did all the it? symbolism go in season eight? <laughs> season seven, even. I mean, right, yeah. Right. So, you know, let's you lead us on, man. Let's lead us on. Let's start at the beginning. Where were we when the season opens, right? Right. So, uh, it had actually kind of took me a while to remember where we were here. Okay. I kind of, because uh, I didn't go back and rewatch any of the episodes before this. 
So, or really much of season seven at all. So I kind of didn't remember where exactly we had left everyone. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, the previously on <laughs> Game of Thrones <laughs> is there to kind of remind you, here's what's important. And I kind of think it's a theme. Anything that doesn't get brought up on those previously on things may as well have never happened. I mean, it was and- true starting season four or five. I think that as if... if- the season led in without mentioning stuff from the previous season. It was just going to get left the undone. There was one instance this entire season of a callback to an earlier season that I thought was really good. Never again. And that was in the very last episode or maybe the second to last one. Uh, which one was that? Uh, John mentions that or is it uh, Tyrion? I think Tyr- John mentions to Tyrion that Maester Aemon had said love is the death of duty. Oh, yeah. And that, I think it was the last episode, right? Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because John is in, or yeah, because Tyrion is in prison, right? Yeah. That's, and then, that's the and last then Tyrion says duty can be the death of love or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. And that's the only callback that I detected the entire season. And I thought it was a good one because that's like a nice like lineage of, oh, hey, like, you know, this is something that happened way early on that kind of gives you a a nice little foreshadowing almost of how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Basically nothing else was like that though. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we had had the zombie fun time rescue raid to try and get Cersei to ally with us <laughs> and bring a white to King's Landing so that people would listen and believe. And then people for some reason trusted Cersei after she has literally never upheld her end of anything ever. As far as I can tell, according to the story, uh, and so we start with John and Danny and all of them marching their army into Winterfell uh, as though a very nice callback almost uh, to the very first episode. Right. Yeah. And uh, we've got a, a dead dragon on the loose and an right. army that somehow moves at a snail's pace on the way ar- full of dead an, people. An army that used the dead dragon to break down the wall and marched through at the end of the last season now has decided to like march both slowly and really fast at some times, (laughs) depending on which episode we're in and whether we're trying to get this whole plot over with or not. Maybe they're waiting to make sure that their whole army was there so they could get more dead for their, for the undead army. I guess. I, and you know, then you see the night watch. There's some people from the night's watch who didn't die, I guess. Uh, that's nice. Mm hmm. Uh, they're, those people are ambushed in Last Hearth, which is one of those like northern towns north of Winterfell that you never really see again. And they leave some creepy art, and that's the end of episode one. Okay. There was like some other stuff that happened in there, but like mm, we never saw it again, so did it matter? Okay. Uh, any opinions on the real early stuff here? Odd, it's kind of a- odd that stuff took so long. You know, like. Right. We we end up with such a rushed end of said season that, like, really the first part of this season should have started off real fast. Yeah, especially when you consider, you know, yeah, exactly. The, the end arc of the season being amounts to two episodes, really, you know, maybe two and a half, three. The, they could have pushed more of that into this first episode. And yeah, it's been two years since the show has been on. They got to remind everyone who everyone is. But like, dude, some of these episodes were literally 90 minutes or something. You could have done a little more character work here in episode one. Mm-hmm. 
and then episode two is, hey, guys, there's going to be a battle tomorrow. Uh, let's use questionable military tactics and get ready for the battle. <laughs> Again, another episode that seems to move some characters forward, but also sideways, where you just sort of get the intrigue that Danny and Sansa are not going to get along. Right. Uh, you get John finds fo- out about himself. Right. And that's kind of the big, important revelation or it seems big at the time, doesn't it? Sure does. Sure seems like... They had built up to whole, it for a really long time. A whole show's worth of foreshadowing and it itself becoming a main plot line, what his lineage is, sure leads up to a big moment here. That When right on the eve of the biggest battle in the history of the world, maybe, he uses it to get mad at his girlfriend? <laughs> or get his girlfriend mad at him, I guess. I guess. Uh But never mind all this, we have to have a big battle scene, so let's talk about the big battle scene. So that happens in episode 3? Three? 3. Yep. 3. 3. It okay. is the entirety of episode 3. Right. Uh, From beginning we talked to about end, yeah. Questionable military tactics and man are there a lot of them on display here. From both sides to be honest. Uh both teams have things that fly but for whatever reason, decide not to use them basically at all. Both, I think both teams were trying to wait to bait the other flying thing out. So you okay. en- end up with, that part makes sense to me. You end up with the Night King winning the baiting them out and because they're losing. So they need to get their dragons out. And then he shows up with his little magical winter storm. So that kind of makes a little bit sense to me, uh, meeting them outside the walls with, and just like riding your Dothraki to their death. Well, but, uh, also, uh, despite this episode being, it looked like literally every Dothraki dies. Apparently not because they show up again later in the season. A lot of them. A lot of them. Uh, really also, questionable there. Also looks like most of the Unsullied die when, uh, Grey Worm pulls, them pulls the also gate. Die? Yeah. And. There's like more more than ever at the end of this. Yeah, real. Uh, anyway, I don't know. That's just the way they shot it. I guess it's. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about the big controversy that everyone had with this episode: color balance. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that's a black level thing. Um, I watched this one twice. I haven't. I don't rewatch a lot of Game of Thrones because I don't feel like I need to considering having read the books and then the Same. later ones being very after the books ended the episodes became pretty straightforward in terms of their they didn't add more characters they just sort of started killing people off or writing them out and, and they didn't really layer the intrigue on that deep right uh they wrote out Dorn completely you know it, there's a lot right. of stuff that just gets left Undone. So I've never rewatched a Game of Thrones episode, and this was the only one I ever did because I watched it initially on a small screen uh, due to traveling, and I wanted to watch it on my calibrated TV at home, Mm -hmm. and in a dark room with a backlight with your black level readjusted, maybe, from what a normal, like, Blu-ray would be, um... It does look like streaming compression may have been part of the problem. Yeah. So I think uh, I did watch it on a correctly calibrated TV with the lights out and, you know, no backlighting. And I have a backlight, so that helps a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. And, you know, we were watching it, you know, close to live uh, when it came out and it was 
quite bad. It was very, very difficult to tell what was going on in some of those dragon on dragon fights. Now I've heard uh, people who have gone and rewatched it saw a much clearer picture after the streaming compression of the load maybe went down or the HD version propagated out to more servers or something. Yeah. I Um, I think it's not as bad. I kind of side a little bit with the cinematographer there. And while they also made a choice to try and save some cashola, Sure. Uh, by, you know, implying depth with darkness. So you see the front three rows of the zombies and then you don't have to see more. And they can right. digitally create the dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I wasn't – I don't think I'm mad about the choice. I think it's like – it's a very stylistic choice, right, of the light versus the darkness and like very cinematic in that way. I actually thought the episode was well shot overall, like in terms of the direction and the, the colors and, you know, how – like the the symbolism of the shots and stuff they were trying to go for framing and that stuff it's just they they can't not be aware of how this stuff is going to look on people who have like TVs with the blur filter on all the time yeah, you know that's people one that are going to be running all that stuff but and, it's not a unique problem to game of thrones or the distribution part of it because you've got directors out there in hollywood that still say things like oh, you shouldn't watch your things on phones or you know it's like Man, this is the modern era. You can say, well, I'm sorry that it didn't look good to you because you watched it on your phone. But beyond that, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not sorry for having made good cinematography. And yeah, later in this season, it is pretty much proven that that cinematographer has a pretty good eye. So absolutely. And I even think this episode was well shot, like and directed well and stuff. I just think that maybe they could have done a little bit more because I actually watched a YouTube video of like a couple of the scenes where someone had just gone in with a brightness slider. Yeah. Literally nothing else. And I was like, Oh, this looks way better. The detail is there in the shot. Mm -hmm. They just brightened it up. Not even 10%, like 5%. Yeah. And it still preserves that some of those feelings and stuff. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I should have turned up my TV, right? uh, Yeah. It's an aesthetic and, and, unfortunate that it affected that episode for so many people i still think while this was a good battle and while there were good battles this season um nothing really compares to the battle of the bastards in terms of its uh veracity its true nature because the battles get so big starting with this one that really you're just ping-ponging shot to shot to shot to shot to shot to shot of, you know, they they had to add the Arya sequence into it where she's running through the buildings to break right. up just all over the place with no sense of space battling. And this is a problem with the you know an ensemble kind of show like this where at the end of the show all your characters have come back to the tip of the story. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's together in one location. You have to show everyone they got to get their line or their scene or whatever. And so it just ends up with a problem of, all right, we have 40 people. We have to kill a non-zero number of them because this is game of Thrones. They really tried then, to kill a non to, to kill a zero number. When you look back right? on it, they tried really, really wow. hard not to kill anyone. Uh, and, and then a, you know, we then have to show each person getting their little scene. Yep. Sam getting run over by a zombie here. Jorah dying over here. Theon dying over there. Doing X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, is just a, it was a unfortunate way to end the plot line that was literally advertised from episode one, season one, the word go as the big menace, the biggest, most unstoppable force kind of just gets swept away by like a thousand people in a castle. I mean, why did they build that wall? This would have been fine. They didn't need to do all this stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it made the entire plot line of like a large portion of the show feel pointless with kind of the way they end this here. I guess we, okay, let's just like uh, talk about the other stuff here before we, I get all the way into Night King stuff. Uh, Jorah dies. I thought that was like a pretty good ending for that character very or as good, good as yeah, as good as he could have hoped for based on what where he was now. Yeah, we lose the whole Mormont clan. Yeah, very sad. Uh we lose feisty Mormont. little uh what was her name? Uh the girl. Lady Mormont, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the the child head of House Mormont that yeah, everyone no more had Bear liked. Island, I guess. Yeah. Uh we, we lose her. We lose Theon defending Bran there uh, at the end. And a little which, suicide charge, which was weird, but meh. I don't... A lot of people complained I, about it, but whatever. I thought it was a nice end for his character to have been accepted back by Sansa and sort of said, like, hey, we, you know, you have figured your shit out now. Great. Thank you for coming back to be with the people who you consider your found family. And now get out of this show because we got other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and despite when it looks like a bunch of other people are going to die or look like they are dying, no one else actually dies. Yep. And uh, it, this begins the, what I would call the downtrend of Jon Snow. Yeah, I think that's a fair, sort of the like irrelevance of Jon Snow in the show almost, right? Uh, no, I would not call him irrelevant because he plays a major role in the final episode. But I would say, beginning with him falling off a dragon and... the middle of a giant horde of zombies. Yeah. And by sort himself. of chasing towards Bran on his own. Uh, the show writers here begin to distance themselves from, and explicitly doing so, from making John the hero. Right. Right. Uh, they, they talk about in one of the, I've never watched one of the end things I did for this episode because it was so big and important that, uh, this ends and you'll talk about it, I'm sure, because you have a lot of King things to say. But when it ends, it was specifically chosen that way by them because it would be unexpected. So is that a, is that a good reason to do things? It could be a good reason to do things. She, I don't completely disagree with it uh, as a plot point. Um, I also actually think in terms of the plot itself, we're talking about Arya killing the Night King here, uh, just to be clear, not yeah, dancing sure. around spoilers. Sure. Well, uh, I guess I didn't know if you want eh. to get into that part, but we can. No. Uh, I was just going to end the John thing with saying, and then they don't even let him kill a dragon. Right. He literally does. He flies around on a dragon and burns a bunch of zombies and then falls off the dragon. And then you see him fighting his way back into the castle somehow and, and then he's about to fight a dragon and then everyone dies and he, i was never worried for one minute you know what i mean yeah at, at this point the literal jesus character who was killed and resurrected 
there was a moment here for him. You to know, his plot armor yeah, is fine. He's yeah. going to be fine. <laughs> there was a moment there, though, for if they weren't going to give him the Night King kill to walk out into the dragon fire and be like, ooh, he is a Targaryen and he kills the dragon. Yeah, so that would have been a way more fun way to introduce the idea of, oh, John is a Targaryen because he's unburnt by the fire or whatever. And Danny sees it from above and without having told him or told her yet, you know? Maybe, yeah. Or something like that. Uh, anyway. Um, I have also heard then the showrunners say that, like, actually the thing that happened with Daenerys and the fire and the dragons was like a one-off miracle and she's not immune to fire. So, who knows? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Should showrunners so, say that? We'll see what Martin says, I guess. Yeah, I don't think that that has been explored much in uh, the books. So, uh, so then we get to uh, Arya and the Night King and the end of the White Walker menace. Arya survives thanks to the Barricade. Yes. <laughs> and the Hound and Melisandre. Yeah. Who doesn't uh, resurrect Beric again. Yeah. She's just like, nice nah, of her there. Whatever. His uh, arc was apparently to be resurrected enough times so that he could stand in that doorway. Yep. That Pretty jerk move when you think about it. Melisandre says, the Lord of Light kept resurrecting him so he could stand in a doorway and take a bunch of stabs for you. Man. Uh, and then she runs off through a window or something, and then the showrunners uh, try to make sure that you get enough battle sequence in between to forget where she was, right. and uh, everything looks like it's over. Curious choice to me to not let any of the White Walkers participate in combat and to just sort of wander around. Right? You never see a single other person fighting a White Walker. It's like they're all standing single file behind the, the main dude who himself wants to come up and kill the Three-Eyed Raven. I agree, though, that they weren't necessary for them to fight. There's just too many uh, undead for it sure. to matter. But it was, a, it, was, uh, it was a choice I wonder if fits into a theory that I have later. But, uh, yeah, then, then you know, Arya then does a thing. Arya jumps out of the shadows and tries to stab him, but he's too cool for school and turns around and grabs her. And then she does the old, ha-ha, I have two hands trick and stabs him uh, with her Valyrian dagger. And Which was that's a nice callback. And the yeah. callback to what do we say to the god of death previous right. to that. So those two callbacks make you think... Um, uh, well, actually, wish... and the the callback Melisandre even had to a prophecy she herself had said earlier in the series. Right, I would say, uh, which I thought was so, and the uh, eyes and blah blah blah. It all lines up enough uh, to make it not only believable but a good way to do. It. I wish you had known where she was or something, rather than right. just sort of flying out of the night. Yeah, uh, the. It seems hard to believe that as much of a stealthy, faceless assassin as she has become, she can sneak up on a giant horde of zombies and ice monster, 8,000-year-old ice monster creatures, and breeze past, you know, ranks and ranks of them in order to jump at this guy from behind him. From where is the question? Because they're in the middle yeah. of the god's wood. Uh, right. Um, but, you know, dramatic TV. Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, I, I would buy the, all of it if I knew where she jumped from, and that would be fine. I still buy it. I just if wish... If she had jumped from, like, an upper window down or something, I think then I wouldn't have had an issue with the whole thing, right? I, I still don't have an issue with it. I think that it's it's sad that they thought they had to do it because the, John ex they everyone expected John to do it, 
where there was plenty of foreshadowing to say, no, it was foreshadowed, you know, but they had to fight the fight on like, well, John, we had to, we had to surprise people. It's like, no, man, like there's a foreshadowing here. Uh, just let John kill a damn dragon. They did that whole thing of giving her the dagger and yeah. that dagger all the way from season one and all this yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I like I like that part I, of it. Uh, I I had no issue with how they wrapped that up. I thought it was unexpected. I didn't like the way you know they framed it in terms of the battle or whatever, how she sort of just jumped out of nowhere. But honestly, in terms of you know the narrative structure of it, it's fine. I I, I also wonder yeah. about if we could have lost more characters here. Absolutely. And so that's the kind of the way I want to go with the rest of the, I don't know, the, the end of the Army of the Dead here. It kind of seems like this Army of the Dead wasn't that big a deal and kind of like Cersei was right this whole time to ignore it and say that it was BS and not care because they didn't really do that much. I mean, yes, you hear they about all these people they killed and in the next episode it starts with them burning lots of bodies. But in terms of, you know, us, the viewer, who that we care about actually got hurt in this episode it's jorah <laughs> and uh it's the mormont girl and um theon theon Beric, melisandra and, and melisandra does herself <laughs> at the yeah. end of this right she walks out into the snow and says like i'm done takes off her necklace and dies i thought Rhaegal was dead uh it was extremely unclear that the dragon was still alive after the end of this episode it was definitely unclear that ghost had made it out of the dothraki charge Absolutely. It was unclear that any Dothraki or Unsullied were left alive. Yeah. Um, but do you think they kind of did short shrift to the whole 8,000-year-old ice demon threat menace here? It's definitely the start of the last couple episodes where it all starts to feel like Cliff Notes. You remember Cliff Notes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, instead of reading the fourth for for kid, the kids these days, back before you had Wikipedia and you could read a book in a Wikipedia page, uh, we went to uh, the bookstore and or a public library or a public library, and you could get a fifty-page synopsis of a couple, you know, thousand pages or whatever that told you everything you really needed to know. Uh, yeah, I'm fairly certain these books still exist. Because Wikipedia is not 50 pages long. <laughs> anyway, um, Cliff Notes is yeah. what it starts to feel like, where I feel like it maybe should have been two episodes or something long, and we should have lost more main characters, and the Night King just assaulting one castle rather than having a plan beyond just obliterate castle. Would you have felt better if they had done the two big sort of set pieces in this show in the opposite order? So knowing at, at how the, the time, show ends, how does that work? Yeah. So at the time, knowing, uh, not knowing how the the show ends, I wondered why they were doing the sort of big, bad, evil, unstoppable monster thing first, and then doing the inconsequential, boring human battle second. Now, in retrospect, I don't think you can do that because of the way they wrap up the end of uh, this this series. 
But at the time, it made a lot of sense to me, right? Like, have the White Walkers see that they've defended this town, have them leave, like, a ring of dead people, and then, like, walk the rest of the army down to King's Landing and kill everyone, and then come back and we have our big showdown with all of our characters that are left, right? Mm -hmm. However, then that doesn't leave you the room for kind of a lot of the stuff that goes down at King's Landing, right? right? I think you end up with a very different show doing it in that order, and a show I would also watch, because it would be very interesting to do it in that order and see yes. uh, how that could possibly work out and where characters end up at the end of that. Um, I think that I'm left at the end of this episode thinking, man, it's weird that the Night King didn't really do much because he didn't do much. He didn't fight really. And that kind of gives you the feeling he wasn't a big bad. Um, yeah. He, he killed that dragon in back in season seven or was it season six well, with yeah. the ice spear from uh-huh. a thousand miles away. And then kind of, you don't ever see, he summons a blizzard and then that's kind of it. And you we've never really missed, see him do much else. We've missed him obliterating the rest of the North, which is a problem in terms of understanding how much of a problem he is. Yeah. And one other issue I have with this part of it is we're we didn't lose anyone except for Jorah on the uh Danny side, right? So right. I wonder if she had lost maybe Jorah and Masandi or somebody else here. Or Grey Worm here. Or Grey yeah. Worm here, if we could start to believe the like when she's done with that battle and has lost her friends and Sansa's still giving her guff, she starts to get real annoyed. Uh, maybe that's help would help with the shortness of this. I don't know. Sure. So, so this episode is great in terms of fun and cinematography and all that sort of stuff, but it starts to begin what I thought think is the, the rushed portion of the show. Yeah. I think the calling it rushed is like the, I think that's the correct way to frame it, right? It's not that they don't have plans here. You can see them in retrospect, what they were trying to do. But in the moment when you watch it, you're just like getting whiplash from the like, you know, notes that are happening all at once. Like it's like, here's a character point. Here's a character point. Here's a character point. Okay. All this is done next. And you know, yeah, it like, definitely started to feel like a checklist in the middle of this episode where you're like, yeah. Oh wait, we need the shot of, and we need the shot of, and uh, that didn't feel very good, but Moving on. Yeah. We got to go. Moving on. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about someone else, though, uh, who has some great scenes, both in this episode and the episode before it. Brienne of Tarth. Sure. Uh, uh, that whole scene in actually actually is the end of episode two, right, where Jamie uh, finally gives Brienne her knighthood, and they're all singing or sitting around the fire, drinking and talking and stuff. I think it was legitimately one of the great scenes of this entire season. I agree. Uh, it it gives great kind of ending and closure to Brienne's character had she died in yeah in episode three really feels um, like she could have but she didn't uh and then they go straight to messing her character up real bad in episode four um they kind of give Jamie a nice little redemption arc by making him a nice guy after being such an asshole for the entire series you know he gave up Cersei to come do the right thing uh, and be with Brienne and give her her knighthood. And then, you know, they sleep together because they realize they've been kind of like secretly wanting to do this the entire season <laughs> and the entire show. I, it was believable. It was like they had yeah. slowly fallen for the ideals, you know, uh, shared yeah. ideals and all that sort of stuff. And and then after all of this, Jamie turns around and does the after you finally buy the redemption arc, 
Jamie turns around, does a 180 and says, actually, I love Cersei. Bye. I got to be an asshole. I really miss in that fire scene where everyone goes to bed and Bran and Tyrion are sitting alone. And he's like, I bet you have good stories. I wish we had a, a, another 30 minutes of just that, right? Because like, <laughs> given where we end up, Bran doesn't have much in the way of character development at all. Oh, yeah. Bran may as well be a, like, Cardboard MacGuffin for this entire season yeah. until the very end. Actually, even after the very end. He's just a cardboard cutout, it seems like, of, like, a little oracle, right? You know? He, he delivers no, no, he delivers information at, at that people, for whatever reason, accept as true, even though I would imagine a lot of the people don't have any reason to believe him. Well, yeah, uh, Danny mentions so. And your brother people, told you, okay. Yeah, he's just some weird kid. Why do I have to listen to this kid? Right. Um, so I don't know. It, what are they doing with Jamie here, man? And you see how Jamie's arc ends uh, with Cersei down in the dungeon dying. And you're just like, why? He had this nice redemptive arc. It was a good end for him. Not that I like wanted him to live with Brienne in happiness or whatever, but like. Come on, man. There was a moment to have them fight back to back and bite it together. And that would have been a great ending for both of them, right? Yep. I I <sighs> thought if we're moving into episode four here, I did think yeah. for a very few minutes, okay, he's going down there because he has to be the one to kill her. I also thought that, and that was the only thing that kept my hope alive that the show was going to redeem itself. <laughs> that's that's a little unfair. Um, I did actually like some of the ways that things wrapped up, but I didn't like Jamie's arc or Cersei's arc in this entire season at, based on the way they concluded it. Just really, really unfortunate. It's like Cersei just plays the cartoon bad guy and basically gets like 15 lines the entire season, maybe? Maybe. Uh, and Jamie has his redemptive arc and then actually turns back to evil arc and then gets captured and is set free by his brother for like what feels like the 50th time uh, and then goes off to die. <laughs> Just such a bummer, man. Ah. I'm frustrated because they had a great redemptive arc for him and then just threw it away because his character has to be a jerk. Ah, unfortunate. It is odd that a lot, and and this goes all the way through the end, a lot of loose ends tie themselves up, or every character's full arc kind of ends before the show does. Right. And then they're left to do something else other than what has been alluded to or foreshadowed or actually written in to their character for the entire thing. So like Jamie outlives what should be his death because he's not that good a fighter at Winter at Winterfell. And even if you buy that somehow he survives Winterfell, how does he outfight Euron Greyjoy with one hand? Supposedly, what? right? Yeah. I mean he doesn't. Yeah. He dies because uh, of it. He takes a fatal sword wound, but Euron takes a more fatal one and dies first. Right. The power of love, JJ. I guess, dude. All right, oh walk us through God. episode four, if you can. Um, I don't remember what happens in episode four. Uh, is episode four when Varys gets killed? That's our... No, Varys gets killed in five. Episode four is the recoup episode where we find right. out that Rhaegal is still alive. 
Oh right, yeah. Uh, Danny takes a bunch the of dead ocean people. with the unsullied. Right. Uh, Jamie rides off in the night. Is this when the dra- is does that dragon die in episode five also, or does it die here? I believe it dies in four also. Yeah. Okay. So we find out that it's alive only to get it killed thirty seconds later in the <laughs> most improbable naval ambush of all time or questionable military <laughs> tactics on display. It was odd. Seemed like they knew um, something. I thought when we saw those ships show up, I was like, oh, Sansa told them where they were for half a minute. Yeah, you were like, aha, they've been betrayed, right? Yeah. John tells um, his family that he's Aegon Targaryen, true king. And then says, please, guys, don't tell anyone. And then and then we begin uh, something I want to come back to at the end of the show. Sansa says, you should be king. Yeah. Uh, and then proceeds he has to tell Tyrion. A, if, if you follow the Westerosi laws of succession set forth by the books, and I believe at least alluded to in the show, John is actually the rightful king and has been the entire time. His throne was usurped by <laughs> Robert Baratheon. Right. So he so, has always been the king so, if you follow the logic of their world. Let's start this Sansa logic track, which uh, has never been a good logic track at any point in the show. I, they, My brother. They allude, hold on. They allude to her having. Uh, outwitted Littlefinger in the end, which okay. is the like only good logical thing. That they she got him say. in a room and they stabbed him. I don't know how that's outwitting him. Oh no! Like he thought he was in control of everything there and found out that Nod Hog. Okay, so anyway, my brother, because I still call him my brother, should be king. Okay, that's the logic. He should sit on the throne, and we should all be ruled by him. And because okay. he's the rightful heir, because right? He's the rightful heir. All right. So we'll come back to that at the end of the show. Uh, episode four. Yeah. So he tells his family. His family tells Tyrion. Tyrion tells uh, Varys. Sansa immediately like goes off and says like, "Nah, dude, I'm gonna just tell Tyrion because John doesn't know what's good for himself." Yeah. And I, the North doesn't kneel to the kings, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which, hmm, Sansa, yeah. what? I know. I know. Uh, okay. It, it, at least she's consistent. Right, kind of. Uh, I think that's pretty. Uh, Danny uh, yeah. goes Sansa, into or um, Tyrion tells Varys right, and Varys is like, "Oh, this like is a big deal. We should like drop this queen and go support John now." Uh, yeah. I think we're and, bleeding into episode five here too. Ah, uh, it's fine. Or no, not a lot happens. No, we're in not. Episode four. No, because episode five is the battle. So when this is still episode four, uh, then they. They, they capture Masand- Jamie here. Yeah, Masandi gets captured and they go to Right. The the improbable naval battle occurs. Masande gets captured. The dragon gets shot out of the sky by the best fired crossbows of all time. Or scorpions or whatever giant ballista things on the ballista, boats. I guess. Uh Danny loses her fleet, which I doesn't mean, seem to matter I- somehow. Yeah. They also, come up I kind with of more boats later to get everybody to the land. Yeah. Also, like I actually completely believe that part. Like the Ironborn being better, you know, sailors. Oh and no, no. Or whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I just wonder how they got everybody from Dragonstone, where they swam to after the naval battle, to the mainland without the yeah. Iron Fleet just blockading Dragonstone. Yeah. Or how uh, a person who's flying, you know, miles up in the air on a dragon doesn't see a bunch of boats coming from around a corner of a mountain. Uh. Certainly seems like something you could have seen coming if you were paying attention at all. Well, 
uh, or like, you know, how you could have just then used the dragon to go burn all the ships right there rather than waiting to do that next episode. Sandy loses her head. Nope, Period. that's the next episode. No, because... It... Wait, am I getting no, confused? You're getting confused because... Oh, that's right. Tyrion then says... Five is King's Landing, six is you're right, post-King's you're right. Landing. You're right. Okay. So Tyrion says, okay, well, let's like, I know she... Let's go, you know, Cersei will negotiate. She'll give us Missandei back and surrender. Let's at least try, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes out there and obviously Cersei is having none of it because like, why would she do that? Uh, and Missandei dies and that's kind of the end of her arc. And I mean, not kind of, it's pretty certainly the end. She's beheaded. Uh-huh. And, uh... Then should they go back to Dragonstone? Yeah, real unclear about how the, how this happens here. Waiting uh, for John to show up with his army. They go back to Dragonstone, and she goes into seclusion. Danny is real mad about this, very clearly, right? Yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, Missandei had sort of been her best friend for the last best friend she had. Uh, she left Dario in Marine, and Grey Worm is, you know, a military dude, but never really her friend. Tyrion has been really just screwing up royally left and right the entire show, or the last, like, three seasons anyway. I just don't get it. I don't get the How does no change. one execute that man? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, fine, fine. But he's supposed to be the smartest man in the Seven Kingdoms, and Varys is supposed to be the sneakiest man in the Seven Kingdoms. Right. Ooh. What? They're, they are acting like a bunch of, you know, school kids caught by their teacher, more or less, like, passing notes and stuff. It definitely starts to feel like all the, the characters have fallen apart from where they were. I don't know if that's written that way or what, but, like, I, on I would I would make a good argument here that, um, so this must be the episode where Varys gets burned then, right? Yeah. Uh. Why No, he even... gets burned at the beginning of the next one. He gets burned at the very beginning of the next one because then the John's there and he goes over to the mainland. And, and then, then they, they have war. the whole battle? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, I, You know, Varys is one of the characters at this point who I kind of feel that his plot is... Why is he still in this show based mm-hmm. on the way his plot has kind of resolved... He didn't need to be here, but like mate, there was apparently some kind of book note or something they took that said he needed to die this way. And so they dragged his character along until he could make the like one last scene they needed him for. Well, the last scene they need him for is to say he's sending out notes all over the place that John is king. Right. None of that comes to fruition. Or matters even in the slightest. So why do it? Yeah, why was he here? Why was he there, right? Yeah. Now in the books, Varys is all tied up with uh Illyrio and the Aegon Targaryen pretender maybe, young Griff and John Connington and all those people who aren't in the show at all. And that entire storyline kind of I feel is going to have a lot to do with what Varys is going to be, his end game is going to be, mm-hmm. in which case then like they kind of excised his whole ending <laughs> and so why was he still here in the show, right? Right, yeah. He would have been one of those people to have died in the crypts in Winterfell or something, and that would have been a, you know, good enough ending for him. I think could have been. Um, so I guess we're we've kind of been bleeding into episode five here or the beginning of it anyway. Yeah, 
um, Danny's first attempt at being evil of Varys, you betrayed me by spreading all this info about John. Uh, I'm going to burn you alive. And then she does. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I bought it though. Like I didn't feel like this was necessarily that far out of her character based on what she had done to the Tarleys in the last season. No, it's fine. Right? They, and you know, they, they wouldn't surrender and they, they wouldn't, you know, swear fealty to her. So she said, all right, she's, you're going to die. Varys did a thing that is like, she had explicitly told them not to do. So he dies. Okay. Like, I didn't think so far this was like outrageous behavior from her. Although no, I guess fine. we're meant to see it that way. I don't think we were meant to see in it in retrospect. Way. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that it's pretty well established then, you know, and then she says, John also betrayed me because he told his sisters, but she doesn't punish him. Yeah. That's confusing, but I guess um, she needs him you know, and she's still in love st- with him or whatever. And people do stuff for love, I guess, is yeah. the like, you know, get away or get out of jail card there. Uh, but he spurns her and then they go mm. off to war. <laughs> And Tyrion has to free his brother because he loves him also. Sure. And yet, like, wants him to save his sister and have them row away to some weird life in Essos in a rowboat or something. Unclear how that's supposed to work. Um, so Tyrion frees him, which more or less seals his fate. Uh, but then it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> that actually made me really mad. Why? I He literally sets free a prisoner... To go to the queen who Daenerys hated the whole time, and then she doesn't just kill him immediately for doing this stuff. I just want to know she had already made the heel turn and become evil. Like, why not just kill him? It would have been, you know, it would have been an evil thing for her to do, right? I just want to know how anybody remembered that he's or figured out that he set him free. You know, like so many people died, they went off. There were all those soldiers that were standing there. He was like, "Leave us alone, guys." One of them had to tell something. I guess. I don't know. I That annoyed me. But I, in the grand scheme of things, not that bad, I guess, compared with what then happens for the rest of the episode. The, um, which, the and most of this, most of this episode, uh, episode, episode five now titled The Bells. Right. Uh, we see a giant battle in King's Landing. But is it um, the battle? <laughs> well, there is a, there is a fight happening. <laughs> uh, so be, so the... Drogon takes like a super mushroom or like an yeah, invincibility deci- star or something. Right. And decides that actually all those things that killed my brother dragon last time really didn't matter that much. And I'm just going to burn all of them right now. Takes out an entire city's worth and the whole Iron Fleet and the front gate and the entire Golden Company. It really seems like they could have done this back at sea last time. <laughs> but I guess I don't know. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't have made for good TV, I guess. I'm just wondering about episode four when Missandei loses her head, how she didn't just jump on the dragon and do all that. Yeah, why didn't we do this? <laughs> it would have been a good time for it. They didn't, clearly didn't need the ground forces. Yeah. The ground forces uh, do run in and they have a battle. Uh, Tyrion tells Jon to pull out if he hears the bells. Right. He had told Daenerys earlier in the show, if they ring the bells, it means they're surrendering. They'll open the gates, just like throw down, you know, it... Don't slaughter everyone for no reason if they surrender, right? Like Varys said you would. (laughs) Like Varys said you would. And then, of course, you get the most obvious foreshadowing, or at least to me, I completely 100% expected this to happen. Obvious within this season, though, right? Oh, sure. I don't know that I... If you had asked me at the end of season seven if I thought she would do this, I would have not been sure. 
uh, I would have been pretty sure about my prediction for how Daenerys ends, but I don't know that I would have been so sure about this. Um, but so she decides that, yeah, actually what I'm going to do is kill all these people because they deserve it and they're bad. Kill everyone. My own kill army. Everyone. Their army. Uh, everybody. It, yeah. It's just like, I'm going to burn the entire town now because these people are bad because they opposed me. And on one hand, you kind of get it. But on the other, like, especially they, again, ver a very well shot and uh, framed scene with, you know, the, the two lines of battle being drawn between the Lannister army that's left and John and Grey Worm and the Northmen and people. And the Lannisters, like the people finally just giving up and throwing down their swords. And then Grey Worm being like, no, actually, let's kill them all after he sees the dragon fly, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they just slaughter them, right? And then it is just a slaughter for the rest of the episode. It is like truly the horrors of war for this entire episode. You know, like you're seeing buildings being destroyed, people dying left and right, just fire everywhere, dead and burnt bodies of children. Just like at, pull out a trope from a horror movie about war or a, a horrible scene from a war. I feel like they got it in here. They really wanted to let you know that this was a really messed up thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought it worked, actually. It was all right. The, the, yeah, for the story they were telling, it was for very... For the story they were telling, it right? It was very uh, beautiful footage. Um, there are a few other character arcs that happen in this. Um, we haven't talked about Arya and the Hound or Sandor Clegane here. I think this is a good time to bring them up since uh, both of these people kind of choose their courses here in this episode. They both snuck in to kill some people. Right. Uh, Sandor had decided, I guess, at some point that he was okay with, or he needed to end things with his brother, who is the zombie mountain who's been alive since the beginning of the show, it seems. <laughs> um, I thought this, uh, the, the Clegane Bowl, you know, the hype theory that everyone had been having where Sandor would go back and fight his brother to the death, uh, you know, to sort of settle the score that had happened to him as a young child. Um, did it live up to the hype for you, Andrew? Sure. Yeah, you liked it? I thought that the crumbling building around them was a bit ridiculous. Yes, extremely ridiculous. But I thought overall he was outmatched correctly and i don't know how else he beats him except for the running them both off the thing yeah i, I actually think the fight scene itself was fine yeah. and kind of how it had to end where they both die in the fire because fire being his big fear right uh, or ha sandor's big fear the whole time and you know pushing gregor and himself you know sort of sacrificing himself to get rid of his brother was kind of the right ending for that character yeah it it felt good at the end of that in terms of like, oh, I wish he'd lived, but what does he do if he lived, you know? Yeah. He he doesn't get – that kind of a guy doesn't get a redemption. He really just – he did his nice thing by, set, you know, finally turning Arya off of her vengeance, Um, which I guess is the next thing we'll talk about. Although I do want – yeah, it was a good ending for him. I agree with you that the, like, apocalyptic building crumbling and dragon fire in the background got a little bit over the top, but – Overall, I think it was sort of the, the correct character ending for those guys. Sure. If they had been down in the map room, I think it would have been but then a better scene. They end up in the fire, but, you know. Eh, you know, they get 
you just have the dragon fly over on top and burn them both to death. I guess. Uh, you know, so uh, that's the end of Sandor. But before he did that, right, he he finally dissuaded Arya from killing Cersei. How did you feel about that? I know it was a very divisive opinion. A lot of people are super mad she didn't get to finish her list. So this is why I don't read stuff. Because I didn't know people would be super mad about that. Sure. How how else does... and it, To be clear, Arya never referenced the list, not even once the entire season. Right. Yeah, and there she are people talk still... About going to, she did talk about going to kill Cersei, which is why she was there, but hadn't mentioned the list, quote-unquote. Right. They don't mention the list because Ilan Payne's still on it and he can't be killed. <laughs> uh and I mean, you know, there's a bunch of other characters on it who, mm, like, you know, Sandor was on it for a while and, you know, Littlefinger and a bunch of other people, so. Well, she got Littlefinger. No, I know. I'm just saying that, like, you know, there's a, her list had people who she has excused off of it before, so it's not the first time. Sure. I think that, um, I don't understand an ending for the character if she doesn't walk away. What's weird to me is that she walks away from this knowing that she wants to be true and good at the end of it and not just be consumed and then walks through the battle, gets the white horse, and then... The white horse disappears in the next episode. Well, and then like... <laughs> what? What? She doesn't go after the person that like murdered tons of people. After right. spending that long trying to punish right. people for little things. And, and, you know, I I don't understand how she'd been so consumed by this quest to kill all these people all this time. You know, she finally got her family back at the end of um, last season. They finally, you know, had been, had some bonding time here. They defeat the army of the dead. She is literally the hero of the world by killing the Night King. But her quest for vengeance keeps driving her. It makes her ride all the way south to King's Landing and sneak into the camp and, you know, sneak into the city. And then at the last minute, she gets cold feet and decides no. I think that you hit it on the head a little bit. She got her family back. She Sander makes the pitch that I think is right, which is she, the queen's already dead. Look around you. Like yeah, like and you don't want to become me, right? You're not. No, he says this is the end of you. If you stay here, you're dead, right? Like she's already right. dead. You're gonna die being me. You're not gonna die being something more. You know, you can walk out of here right now, knowing it's over, because she's not gonna make it out of here, and right. you don't have to be consumed the rest of your life. And I think that's a solid argument. I don't. I don't, don't not think buy that, that, part that of argument. It. You don't think that argument could have been given for her to stay at Winterfell or something? No, because like she, she didn't. didn't she wouldn't have seen with her own eyes that Cersei was going to get it. Okay, all right. I think I buy that. I initially was like really skeptical of this turn that she would just decide after all of this time and like one half speech from a guy that you know she had sort of come to know well out after hanging out with for a season and a half before um i yeah okay i think your argument makes sense right 
it, I was, I don't know in the moment that I bought it. Okay. Um, but uh, afterwards, you know, we need, I guess the, <laughs> the other thing is we need her perspective to show all the horrors of war for the rest of the episode. <laughs> True. So, uh, it's not necessary. We could find somebody else to do it. Yeah. You know, I guess it would have then been Jon Snow leading around the poor people who get burned to death. It would have been helpful if it was Jon. It could have then given him some righteous anger <laughs> to do some of the things that he does later. I think he had righteous anger to begin with, but I think that it could have been Jon and that might have been... It might have been more poignant because Arya doesn't do anything with the righteous anger she gets. Yeah. You know? Uh, Arya channels her righteous anger into sailing a boat off into the sunset. And not defending her brother at all. Nope. <laughs> Who did the right thing. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. A wrap up on season on episode five here. It, is there is there much else? Did you buy Daenerys' turn here? I think that I wish that it had been more laid out that she wasn't Oh, she's Cray, you know? She got the crazy eye and now she's a she's a Targaryen and the coin flip whatever. Yeah. I think it, I would have bought a little bit better the argument she made to John, which was All right, fine. They're not gonna love me, so they'll have to fear me. I would have written it differently. She burns down the red keep and nothing else. You know, you know, and then, Cersei had gathered all the small people around the keep, and you could have said, "Oh, she murdered all those people there while burning the trying castle to get down. Cersei." Yeah, yeah, um, a little more, a little more defensible, but still crossing a line that maybe isn't is too one line too far. Right, right, yeah. I just the, the way it was shot, it gave this really, really unfortunate look of like, oh, she's doing this crazy thing because she's a crazy woman now, and you're just like, oh, guys, come on, <laughs> like. It's it's like literally the surrender bells toll, and it's like she can't stand hearing that noise. She has to murder everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of how the shot got framed. It definitely. Um, I mean, that's what they sold you. It definitely is what yeah. they sold you. Is that at the beginning of that episode they reminded you that it, the gods flip a coin on the Targaryens? Yeah. So you know we're supposed to think, oh, that's okay. Then then John's the only one that might have gotten the right coin flip, and. All this foreshadowing and stuff is is set up, and then we end episode five with with what should be <laughs> right. Uh, okay, and so you know we march into episode six, and Danny has consolidated her army really fast and changed in, clothes and, and changed clothes, and uh, snow is falling now, or is, is it snow? ash? Yeah, I think it's snow. So. Katie There's a was lot convinced of it was snow, and I thought it was ash, and then it just kept coming down. I think it's snow. I think it's snow, but it also could be ash, and actually it's fine either way. Completely. Um, um, it definitely gives like this really apocalyptic feel. They literally do the scene uh, where D Daenerys is an evil dictator now, <laughs> as she like comes out on the top of the plaza after landing in her evil transport vehicle. And stands out wearing all black to and gives a salute to her army and tells them how we're going to conquer the world and kill everyone. And you're like, wow, that went from zero to a hundred in the space of five screen minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and Tyrion decides he, for one, has had enough and he throws his badge and's like, I can't believe you would kill these people or whatever. So obviously he gets arrested. Wait, what? 
Why doesn't she just execute him right there? If she's evil now, like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I hmm. wanted to make a public display of it. I, I guess don't, I don't. I can't. There's no way to write. Yeah, what happened there other than it happened, but it's odd that John just hangs, and John's like, "Man, this seems not." As good as it could be, but I love her, guys. Yeah, and goes and walks away, uh, and is sad and mopey for the rest of the episode. Basically, uh, he then visit. Then indeterminate amounts of time pass, and John goes and visits Tyrion in a jail cell where we have the only callback of the season that I liked. <laughs> I talked about love being the death of duty. Um, she he I does thought, mention you know, hey. You don't know this, but she did the same exact thing across the narrow sea. And Tyrion for- in episode six lays out a great case for why we should believe what she did in episode five. That could have been the kind of thing you did before episode five. That Varys laid out before yes. Tyrion to try and convince him we need to make a different approach here because here's what's going to happen. She did all these things. She's going to up the ante again, and the only way to up the ante again is to accost the little people. She will, you know, the the dangers of zealotry and people believing in their own ideals and all this stuff. You know, there's a great speech to be had there. It's unfortunate they waited to have it in episode six after the horrible events rather than doing it before to help sell the obvious, really horrible events. Okay. Um kind of a bummer there um but i guess we're meant to believe that john finally sees the light after that conversation i think john saw the light before that conversation and just needed convincing is he just needed convincing he walked he walked in there already convinced that she had done something heinous oh sure he you could see he believed that he was just looking for someone to tell him what to do about it even though he knew right right yeah of course or well maybe he didn't know to do exactly what he did but he at least kind of had a he knew stuff was wrong, and he he was the person who had to solve it, right? Yeah. And so he solves it. Sure does. We get a very iconic scene of Daenerys walking into the throne room after the castle has been burnt out with the snow falling from the vision. Uh, and her walking up and touching the Iron Throne, but she didn't sit down, Andrew. What if she had sat down? What if? We'll never know. Uh, because she sees John and is feeling good about herself, so she goes over uh, and talks with him, and he decides that he's okay with kissing her one last time. He's got and then he stabs her to death. <laughs> and, then he, and then he stabs her to death. Yeah. Okay. I saw this coming. I, like I said, I was relatively certain based on how the you know the lore from the books and stuff talks a lot about the prince that was promised and a bunch of stuff that the show doesn't care at all about very clearly. Well, because that would be in the wrong order then. Yep. Uh, And how he has to forge a magical sword made from the blood of his true love being stabbed through the heart. That basically fit only these two characters. So I was pretty sure that's how that was going to go. But again, it was, you know, they changed so much and ignored so much prophecy that who could say that this was how it was going to go. But it is how it went. Um, real anticlimactic end for her character, don't you think? Uh huh. Yeah, she kind of just gets it, and and then the that's kind of the Game of Thrones way. It's just I, crazy to see it in season eight. 
Right. Um, I, I, they tried to have a discussion where he says, who are we to know what's right? And she's like, well, we just sort of make up what's right. It's up to me now. Yeah. And, um, just like the most cartoony villain thing to say is like, yeah. I decide what's right because I'm the evil person who's in charge. <laughs> You're like, okay. There's a chance for them to go. have had a really good scene between the two of them where no. he basically convinces himself and her that what's coming has to come, right? Like, she may right. not be convinced that she's done wrong, but, like, where he walks her through, like, these are the terrible things that I can't understand uh, and, you know, that you've done, but I still love you, and she calls, and, you know. And she could have sold the idea that she believes her own zealotry, that she believes that she's the one doing the thing. They ch- And they kind of tried to have this conversation, but again, I don't think it was done too particularly well. But again, we have the Cliff Notes version. Right, exactly. We get this scene gets has to take place in five minutes because we have got a lot of other stuff to get to here. Right. Well, this has to be um, an hour and a half episode, so we really got to mosey on through you killing me. So hurry it up, and, and uh, to not have to deal with what happened to Daenerys and her body, and people not immediately murdering John when they see him and her dead body together. Uh, her dragon very helpfully comes up and burns the Iron Throne down for symbolism, and then takes her body away and is never to be seen again. So, we'll come back to never to be seen again. Why didn't he try to burn down John? Because he's a Targaryen completely unknown. So, if he's a Targaryen, the dragon maybe doesn't take off or tries to burn him down. And again, there's a chance for that scene where Targaryen's immune to fire. Oh, okay. Well, then I don't have to ride off. And John is now immune from the rest of this show because he's got a dragon. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're not going to do that. Nope. Instead, we're going to five years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't think it's even intended to be five years, but it is like indeterminate amount of time passes. I think we have, we have to, to editorialize this. through the ending of this and then get back to, because this is immediately now, like right at the moment that that dragon flies off is the beginning of, huh? What? Huh? Wait, why? What? Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. A decision making uh, for the rest of the show. The the end of that part is just like, okay, the dragon takes off and is done, and everyone is like, well, I guess the uh now it is time for the wrap up. <laughs> you know, the story has concluded. Let's get to the epilogue here. Here's the, what happened to all your favorite people. It literally is the one page epilogue high school yearbook. Exactly. Version. I was just going to. Br- I was going to bring up the end of Ferris Bueller. Oh, you know, yeah. It's like, here's 100%. what happened to people. You get one sentence, a picture of them, and one sentence about where they are today. Pretty <laughs> and, much, yeah. And you know, it's like, oh, we're going to have a king's meeting, and now we're going to democratically, like Magna Carta style, elect our king. I, I love the. <laughs> I had a moment <laughs> of panic, a sheer moment of panic when Tarly. Sam. <laughs> well, we should all elect the leader. And everyone's silent. And I was like, please, for the love of everything that has happened in this show, do not somehow invent democracy this. in the last right. seven minutes of this episode. Oh, my God. I was going to throw something at the TV if they did that. Thankfully, everyone laughs at that idea, at the really dumb idea that it is. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the... You know, look, democracy is great and we live in a democratic country and we like it very much, but we don't like a show being all about feudalism and monarchies and kings all of a sudden being like, 
democracy, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one is going to buy that stuff, yeah. dude. There's ten thousand, a thousand years of political development you got to get to first. I want to know how this meeting even happened, but we'll get to all these questions later. Who knows and who cares? Because everyone, uh, Tyrion has been arrested, and Jon Snow has also been arrested. All the like important people come and decide to make them bring John and Tyrion out here. We're going to make important decisions now. We're going to uh, Grey Worm seems to be subservient to them, but also not. <laughs> even though he's the guy apparently in charge of the whole city, so yeah. like, why does he even listen to them? Right? Yeah. Why didn't he uh, execute uh, John and um, Tyrion already? Immediate, immediately, he yeah, could have done that. As a person who was intending to do that, but only not because his queen told him not to. She's gone. I he guess. could. I'm just saying. Yep. Uh, anyway, so he brings Tyrion out so that Tyrion can have a monologue and tell people that Bran should be king, I guess. What? <laughs> that is the hardest left turn in, in the whole show. So I will say one thing I knew, or well, I I knew going into this episode that Vegas odds Bran was the favorite. Now, that smells to me a little bit like someone talked, because they did not foreshadow that basically at all. It also, if I am a lord of the Seven Kingdoms and I've met Bran for more than five minutes, makes no sense. Bran is the three-eyed raven and has literally for the whole show not cared about a single thing that is happening around him or any of the people. A man that should be king, we should choose the man that will be the best for all of us. Well, you know, there's going to be a famine next year, so we should go murder 5,000 people so that we have enough food. Would be the way that the three-eyed raven sees that scenario. He has a really good story, though, Andrew, and that's what's important, right? Stories matter. Yes. Um, Brand the so, Broken is the name of who? That is a really mean nickname to give your king. Terrible. Uh, uh, so I don't. I, I definitely didn't see that part coming. Um, I don't think I'm mad about it. I'm not mad about it. No, right. I I just think it's a confusing choice. It's, it makes no sense at all. I don't. I don't know why other people would agree to it. I see the logic from like the, you know, the writer's perspective or the like the storytelling perspective, but I don't see any logic to it from the other characters. Like, why would any of the other characters, maybe other than Sansa and Arya, agree to that? Or, yeah, Sam, maybe, too. Also, uh. why is Arya there? Why does she get any kind of vote? Yeah. Why yeah. Why does uh, Sam get a vote? Why does Gendry, who is legitimized by a person who is dead, get a vote? Well, Sam's the last Tarly. So Even though he's dressed in maester's robes at that point. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess. He's a maester she- and the head of a house. All right. Cool. Right. Well, Bran so, can do okay. whatever he wants. He's king. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, hold on. We're missing the best part. Bran is not king of the Seven Kingdoms. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Sansa, everyone goes around and everyone goes around the table and is like, yep, yep, yep. This seems good. Okay, Bran, yep, yep, yep. And then it gets to Sansa and Sansa's like, I gotta- actually, we're going we're gonna to remain independent. Sorry, guys. Lol. <laughs> it's just like the, this, the fun. It made me laugh out loud. That it was like, got to get to Sansa's stabbing somebody in the back. Hurry, hurry. And then it was like, I love you, little brother, but ah, whatever. I'm not going to let you be king of the north anymore. So let me let me line up what I said earlier. John should be king of everything. Bran should be king, but not of me. And then, you know, her perspective of the north needs to be independent or whatever. 
okay, but then why didn't immediately the other independence-minded nations like the Greyjoys and Dorne both go, yeah, us too, because they are the ones who absolutely hate being ruled. Well, I have, first of all, I have two two questions about that. One, how do the Greyjoys not think John is a god, first of all? Their house right. words are, what is dead may never die, and John came back die. from the dead. Yep. Uh, so he should be like their saint. And secondly, when Sansa immediately pulls out of the Seven Kingdoms, why do they still want Bran to be king? Yeah, well, exactly. If you can't bring the North back to the Seven Kingdoms, then see you later. <laughs> we'll pick somebody right. else. Yeah. What if sense does that someone make? Someone from one of our kingdoms. Oh, my God. Yeah. <sighs> Let's have a ruler from the North because he has a good story and he can see all things past and future. Maybe, probably. But Unclear also, what he can see. Yeah who feels like he's acting oh man it just makes no sense it the brand thing makes even less sense when the north breaks off and why is brienne there why does she get she, to vote she's the head of a house too okay i guess that's true I and mean, you never see her house or hear anything about it or that her dad is dead or anything yeah, yeah. but she's a knight and she's a tar uh tarth tarth brienne of tarth yeah i don't know tarth, her last yeah. name but tarth is the island she's yeah. from yeah. Man, that uh, okay. ending moment right there. Woof. Real. Real something that real, real. There. Uh And then Bran's like, cool. Now that we're all decided I'm king, Tyrion is my hand. And everyone <laughs> doesn't just laugh at him. <laughs> they did. Well, they kind of are like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, yeah, but he'll work hard because he screwed everything up. He screwed everything up for the past four seasons. So now I'm going to make him pay for it by fixing it all. Yeah. That's like a funny line. But, man, why? Yeah. I'm left kind of like, it's like really yucky here, where if you assume that he's the Three-Eyed Raven and that he knows everything, he's known since he became the Three-Eyed Raven that he was going to be king. And went on... I think you have to assume he doesn't know everything. I think you can only no, assume... No, he no, no. Because he says, do you want to be king? And Tyrion says, do you want to be king? He's like, why else do you think I'm here? Like, I already knew sure. this is what's no, supposed no, no. to happen. So, but that doesn't mean... So, okay. I think my point is that I don't think he knows everything. I think he knows the stuff he chooses to see. And it seems like he chose to see that, right? But you can't see that he's, like, omniscient. I see. Because later so on that, he says, I'm going to go find Drogon. Why? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Why? What? What is the purpose of that? I don't why um, <laughs> the whys why? are starting i thought we would yeah, make it to the now, end before the whys no. but no nope nope uh because now we got to talk about everyone's favorite character brawn why is he even in this show why wasn't he killed three seasons ago because people like him what andrew the character served no purpose he showed up in like for two seconds in season an episode four to tell jamie and Tyrion, i'll kill you guys but i won't and then he leaves and then he shows up again as the master of coin for some reason because he wants to rebuild brothels. Again, lot. this feels like the Cliff Notes version of thousands and thousands of pages of you. These are the people you're left with because everyone else is dead. Hey, Braun is an invention of the show, really. He doesn't show up almost at all in the books. Correct. Yes. And, uh, you know, beyond like book two or something. And. So, like, you know, why didn't they just have him F off to a castle somewhere 
after they paid him, you know, for saving Tyrion at the Blackwater or whatever. Like, why does he keep showing up? God knows. I don't understand it. It's like, I get maybe he's a popular character, but man, he sure served no purpose in this season whatsoever. And in fact, every scene that he was in was made worse by his presence. Not that the acting was bad necessarily, but like, why are you here? It would have made sense to keep him in the show if he had kept on with Jamie like he did during that battle. Right. Because he was still a lord or something. Right. Or like, you know, Jamie was still paying him to defend him, you know, so that you could get someone who can fight protecting Jamie because Jamie sucks at fighting. Right. Uh, Um, And then he earns his keep and that's why he's there at the end. But yeah. Yeah. I'm going to point a crossbow and then I'm going to be in the last scene. It definitely smacks of like, well, we've got to have a fun character left. Like I saw people online saying that Braun has a high Q rating. So this is why he gets to survive. I don't know what Q rating means, but it sounds like a this guy scores well on popularity tests. I see. Uh, so that's the end of him. Sam becomes the Archmaster, which I guess is great for a college dropout. Sure. Uh, Why not? Uh, Brienne becomes uh, king of the or leader of the King's Guard, I guess. Yep. And then the book, Andrew. What about the book? She filled. So you know. Previously in the show, Jamie had made a big deal about his page on the Book of Brothers, the book of the, the tales of all the members of the Kingsguard. And his page ends with, has killed the king and shall ever be after known with the Kingslayer. Okay. And for a while, that was Jamie's like, you know, driving reason to do stuff. And then we never hear about it again for, let's say, like six seasons. Okay. And they bring it up at the end so that Brienne can write a nice, wonderful little tale about the wonderful things Jamie did for her, and then say that he died protecting his queen. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It it would have been pretty impactful if it said died protecting protecting the seven kingdoms or something like that. Right. I think I think Brienne giving Jamie like a nice eulogy there. Seems like absolution, right? Right. It's like it, no, he don't forgive him for being was. a jackass. He yeah. was an he's he was a bad man in the end. And you should don't need to forgive him for that. Um but, you know, it, it posthumously puts a nice bow on Jamie's character after he dies ignominiously in the grips or whatever. Um, I think it was a good ending for Brienne, you know, getting to become the king uh, or the king, uh, the uh, the leader of the Kingsguard. Sure. Uh, Podrick becoming a member of the Kingsguard also and the wheelchair attendant, I guess. <laughs> um, decent ending for him. Uh, Arya sails off into the west in search of the land of the elves or whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe she'll find uh, the children of the forest or something. Is she going to sail off into a sequel, do you think? Um, no. Yeah. Not I, I sure hope not. Yeah. So, uh, we've got a few other characters left here. Davos, who we haven't talked about at all. Yeah, it's kind of what I feel about Davos. He definitely, after the Battle of the Winterfell, what's the point of Davos? Yeah, well, how, he had nothing left to do, so he was dragged along so that he could be the nice uh, master of ships at the end. Okay. Yep, I'm uh, good with that. Yeah, I'm pretty good with that. I uh, feel like uh, in a different world, 
in this show, he had a lot more to do. In the non-Cliff Notes version, he was probably pretty essential. Right. Uh, you know, you can definitely see there's a case where he's, you know, acting as the voice of reason to John or talking to Daenerys, trying to convince her, you know, laying out problem, problematic behavior and so forth. But we don't get that uh, version of this season. Um, let's see. Is there anyone else before we talk about John? No, I don't think. I mean, we didn't really talk about Tyrion's end here where he's the hand. At, sure. I mean. Kind of like, hey, life is back to normal for Tyrion, even though. They rebuilt King's Landing pretty fast. Yeah, huh? Um, Really doesn't. Don't know that I believe a lot of that. Well. um, I don't know why they didn't abandon it, you know? Move yeah, capital. it was. Pretty darn well destroyed. <laughs> the, uh, the Unsullied take a boat across the ocean? They're going to go to Narth, because that's where Missandei was from. The Dothraki disappear? Yeah. Into uh, the night? One of the, great, one of the great injustices done to <laughs> a, again, like you're saying, the Cliff Notes version, right? Like, there was so much made about how the Dothraki would, you know, go wild in Restoros and how they would kill everyone, but Danny could control them because she was their, you know, the Khaleesi and all this stuff. And then after the battle, eh, there's a bunch of them alive, but we never hear about what happens to them. They're just gone. Sure would have been smart of them to just get rid of the Dothraki out in the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, man. Sure, sure seemed like that would have been just fine to do, huh? Uh-huh. Hmm. And it uh, brings up a big question. Why'd they disappear when their cow is in prison? Did they ever really believe John was the leader? If you kill the call, you're the call. Oh, ho, ho. I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. They would have completely bought that. Because that's definitely something the Dothraki would, would be on board with. So how did the Dothraki and the Unsullied not kill each other because the Unsullied took John into prison? Yeah, great question. I guess maybe you're led to believe there the Unsullied just killed all because there's nothing else that would have made any sense. I'm pretty sure you see some in the dock shot. Yeah, you probably do. So, yeah. Jon uh, Snow. Jon Snow. Jon never uh, Stark. Aegon Targaryen. Tyrion goes and visits him in a jail cell very clearly uh, and after a while, and Jon's like, you're not dead, and I'm not dead. What's going on? Uh, I guess we're led to believe that he just confessed to the crime and wasn't executed on the spot. Because why else would he have been there? I assume he he copped to it because he's that kind of guy. He's definitely that kind of guy. But like that would have been a scene they could have shown, right? Sure. Uh, and so then uh, the wisdom of the king is that John should be sent back to the Night's Watch. I screamed at the television at the top of my lungs. Why is there still a Night's Watch? That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. I screamed that at the television. Tyrion addresses your concern immediately after and says, well, there still needs to be a place for broken men and for us to send the people we don't like anymore. So uh, literally a prison. What? Isn't that what jail is, my man? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why do they need a Night's Watch? It makes and and it's not like the ending you get. You're like, oh, I get it. The Night's Watch, haha, ha, right? But like, there's dudes there dressed as the Night's Watch. 
First of right. all, they don't need Where did them. they come from? Where'd they come? What? Yeah, sure. Where'd they come from? Why'd they go back to the Night's Watch after the after all this if they were from there originally? Secondly... Because all of the Night's Watch people were at Winterfell. Why didn't they just stay there? Yeah. Why do they need them? Thirdly... Isn't that on the other side of the North, which is now an independent country? Yep, it certainly is. <laughs> None of this makes sense! So really, Tyrion's plan is actually more genius than I thought. He's literally just sending his refugees to the other country. Oh, God. It's he's terrible. Ten- it's, it's awesome. He's like, he's like exiling his, the people they don't want to deal with to the country so they Bran, don't like anymore because Bran, it broke off. Yeah, Bran now, as king of the Six Kingdoms, has decided that since his sister betrayed him, he's going to send all his prisoners <laughs> right that's how i read it um and i was like man this is like a really mean thing to do to stanza they're just like filling the north with the people that are like rapists and murderers oh my god really big problem i just kept saying it over and over as we get the john like we just i'm sorry i put my i don't know if that got all muffled because i put my head in my hands for the rest of this (laughs) episode I could hear it. As we follow john's path for the rest of this i just can't so i just can't so, in context of the books, it makes a little more sense than it does in the context of the show, right? Because in the books, they always talk about the Night's Watch being the place that lords would send their bastard sons to get rid of them, and that lords would send their, like, third and fourth kids who they can't afford to give all their land and stuff to, right? That doesn't and apply in- to him anymore. No, that's not the point. But in co- the context of why a Night's Watch needs to exist... That's the reason that the books give, and it makes a, quite a bit more sense in that context. Now, the show doesn't give any of that context here, and don't think is actually worried about that. They just wanted to give Jon Snow a A to Z back to A arc. <laughs> and Man, so you get a That was sad a quick trip back from Z to A, by the way. Right? Yeah, he gets to Z in episodes eight or episode six Before. here and then is back to a at the end of episode eight <laughs> where where uh do you do you buy his interactions with his family at the end here when oh when they're like wishing him good luck on the yeah dock before he gets on the boat i think john is probably at peace with what he did like he knew he did the right thing i so, don't understand why he doesn't want to then like take the throne for himself since he is the rightful heir yeah, but, so you're you well, you've been led to believe John is the Ned Stark of this show now. He right. is the yeah, man the, that will the right and honorable character doing the right thing. And three members of his family stab him in the back and they hug each other and they're all being nice to him. Oh, you understand? This is the only way. Go back yeah. to the Night's Watch. They sell it as the only way. And uh, it's like, I don't the only yeah. one that I buy the interaction is with Arya because Arya says she's leaving. And it's like, yeah, she would leave when her family does this to John. Uh, or like she was going to leave anyway, probably, I think. Uh, and her and John were always close. So he's actually saying goodbye to her. Yeah. Unlike Sansa, who he probably never wants to talk to again based on how she's treating him. But how he, she treated this and she showed up and didn't tell him she had a second army showing up at the Battle of Bastards. Right. Uh, she. It, it's really sad because this is again. The, there's a lot of stuff left out, and she is literally Catelyn Stark with yeah. how she treats John in the show. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. 
I actually think the the idea of John getting sent back to the Night's Watch is a good idea for an ending for him. Maybe in a world where like the army of the dead was beaten back but not destroyed. Agreed. If the but army we're not of, in that world. If the army of the dead was not defeated, or if there was some idea that Oh, they they they're gone for now, but yeah. we can't be sure there aren't more of them. Right. Because you know, some children told Bran that they could come again in eight thousand years or something. Or like, or let's say killing the Night King didn't kill the whole army like it did at Winterfell. Like they defeated that army and they killed the Night King, but there's still thousands of them, you know, roaming they, around. Or they see like one white or one White Walker escapes and runs away back north. That's something. It gives like, the knights, then, yeah. But then you could be like, okay, there, there. I, you know, I was thinking about it last night, and I thought there was only a, one other way that I could accept this. Is if Bran, and this feels real, real, real yucky, convinces people that John's not actually a good guy. Because you could paint him as John the Betrayer. John. Bet- Certainly there are people that f- see him as that. Well, follow, right? All the follow, Unsullied and, sure. you know. But before that, you follow his arc. He is sent to the Night's Watch because he's a bastard. Yep. He betrays the Night's Watch, unbeknownst to most of the Night's Watch, he's working for the Night's Watch, to go to the Wildlings. Right. He betrays the Wildlings. To go back to the Night's Watch. Go back to the Night's Watch. He betrays the Night's Watch again when his family's in trouble. And then to save the Night's... To save the Wildlings, he betrays them again by letting them through the wall. He gets killed. For that betrayal. Right. Uh, So then... He goes and let's see. He, he betrays. Gets, he gets res- he gets resurrected yeah. and then decides he's done with it being in the Night's Watch. He becomes king in the north. He becomes king in the north. Betrays which is a betrayal of the crown. The, betrays the crown. Betrays the Northmen by bending the knee to Daenerys. Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Betrays Daenerys by killing her. By kill it well by saying he's the king, and then oh also sure by, by telling people her. yeah, and then again betrays her by stabbing her in the chest. Um, I, okay. You could have painted that story. They didn't do that, though. That's the, old, I, I, that's the only way I get, like, he needs to be imprisoned. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, we have to make a political deal here to send John up north is a good idea. They just didn't sell it well. Like, I actually what? thought the ending for him was fine. I don't know that I liked the, like, sullen hero riding off into the sunset I ending he got i but just don't I buy it, it a fine I, ending how did they not come up with a better solution for it because what keeps him up there the minute the unsullied sail for narth i mean his <laughs> duty right he is always the guy who's doing the I right know, thing but, and but, if bran somehow <laughs> convinces again again they don't do a good job of any of this but i'm saying if bran is somehow convinced john that like this is the only way this works. I think John would sit I, there and be mopey at the wall for. I a thousand percent believe the ending. I a thousand percent believe the ending, where it's the Seven Kingdoms and Bran is king. I even five hundred percent believe the ending, where it's the Five Kingdoms and a different king is king, and Pike and the North go off to do their own thing because that's what they do. It would be the Four Kingdoms then, right? No, is it six and then five? Five Dorne. because Pike and and the North, right? Oh, maybe even oh, the, the. I would say Dorne, I would say if, that, if the Iron Islands are leaving, then Dorne should leave too because they. Oh, also and then you lose the, the Reach crown. because Sansa's basically in charge of the Reach. 
right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, so no, I don't. Edgar Tully's alive. Look, <laughs> for I, some reason, I believe. I believe the fracturing of the kingdom, right? I believe that ending and John not becoming king. I don't believe what we got, and that's the pro- problem that I have. Where there's yeah. two, there's two Starks in charge of two different countries, and the Stark that is the quote unquote best of them gets exiled. <laughs> I think this is the uh so one thing I want to touch on here at the very end is that you can definitely see touches of like this is something George Martin would do. Yes, absolutely. I and, and uh, the yeah. the kind of the way that like everyone dies in war and sucks for all the little people right, in sure. King's Landing. Right. That's definitely a thing that would happen in the books, right? So, absolutely. And John I, not getting to be the hero of the story, even though he is very clearly laid out to be the hero of the story, is also something George Martin would do. George Martin's, However, uh, let's yeah. talk about this for a second, because it is a trope, a very common trope of his through these books, especially. Good men get trampled by history. Absolutely. 100%. It starts with Ned Stark and it doesn't end there. And I mean, it even kind of starts with Robert Baratheon, right? He was kind of a good man and gets, he, he, he had gets, good ideas. He had dream. good intention. He had good intentions, but he actually killed Rhaegar for it turns out a completely wrong and bad idea. Right. So good men get trampled by history is a George Martin thing, right? And, and I would believe him not getting the crown, even in the book. I just, I feel like these books should have been laid out, right? And the yeah. Cliff Notes version has kind of, it's amazing, clipped the wings kind of of these books that haven't even been released because in theory, this is how it ends. I don't think even in theory. I'm relatively certain that most of this stuff is going to happen. Not maybe necessarily in this exact way because there are more pieces and a lot more All right, plot so, lines going on, but I think kind of the big broad strokes are going to be there. It's Daenerys amazing to do this King's within... Landing, yeah, yeah. It's, and John is going to stab her in the heart for it, yeah. and then John is going to get sent back to the Night's Watch. So, I think that's all going to happen. For Martin to have written a book where all the foreshad... He's a good writer, and yes. foreshadowing a bunch of stuff and having a prophecy and all this sort of things, and then things going out of order would not happen in his books. So something here is hinky in terms of the order of operations. Yes. And Uh, so I think that's the... Sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think that's the lack of characters. Yeah. I think it's 100% the lack of characters. Not having those other characters. I think the thing that you will see in the books, perhaps, is going to be that... uh, other Aegon Targaryen, and it's not going to be Cersei that gets burnt there. It's going to be him and all the people that he has, you know, sort of made love him in King's Landing. Danny could so die they, in the North. Danny could die in the North. All of that King's Landing stuff could happen before the Winterfell stuff. So there's a lot of that stuff that seems like it was plotted but not determined. And right, he, I'm gonna. It's a. It's going to be weird to do this, but if you don't want to hear this, skip ahead. A minute. He has a blog post out now, which basically answers this question: Does this is this how it ends? And it cryptically says yes and also no. Right? Like there's too many things that are still open ended in the books to say yes completely. But yes, is the answer. I mean, I I I think that he answers that cagely enough that you aren't all the way sure which thing they're talking about. Yeah, and 
but I think he has himself said, and the showrunners also said this, that he gave them the cliff notes to the end game, like the, his planned ending for all the characters. So I think it's very, very likely that the broad strokes of what we saw here are the results we see in the book. Yeah. Um, now, hopefully, given that he is a good, a good writer and has produced amazing pieces of fiction before, we will get a better lead up to those endings and it will make a bunch more sense. And there will be a lot of moving parts that will get you there without the theme yeah, of I, this, this last season, which I think was like, it was rushed, right? No, you know what? I think the theme, I, I, it's amazing to say this about a show that had the enormity of this budget, massive, like unheard of budget. And Oh yeah. It, it, approached like major motion picture level budget for a TV show is unheard of. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, plays Cersei. Uh, Lena Hetty. Lena Hetty was getting a million an episode and you saw what she was doing for a million an episode. Yeah. Drinking wine and brooding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, want, I want, I want a companion shirt to, I drink and I know things to, <laughs> to be drinking wine and brooding. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, the theme that I saw at the end of this is um, that the problems they had at the beginning were the same problems they had at the end. They had to save money all the time to do yeah. the things they needed to do. They just constantly were running up against money, money, money. And by the end, it's such a massive show and their payout, their payroll is so huge and their CG needs were so huge that I've never seen a show like this before. Or, and I don't think we'll see one again. Yeah. And even then, it was not enough. They couldn't sustain to get the 15 episodes per season for season or seven, the, season eight, and season nine and 10, needed, you know? Right. Like they needed I think, two more seasons. Yeah. yeah. Or at least one more season of 10 episodes, right? Something. They needed something. I think the. I, I think you're right. And that's kind of like where I kind of want to end this here. Um, you know, I am not unhappy with the way all this resolved. I think it was fine. I think I'm disappointed that it was fine instead of being great like it could have been. Yeah, I was definitely left with a, huh, okay, it's over. Rather than yeah. a, wow, it's over. But I wasn't left with like, I'm so pissed off. I definitely... Right. I definitely wasn't mad. I was like, okay. I had to check myself for a couple days with the Jon Snow ending and try and make sure that I wasn't fanboying. You know what I mean? Like everyone fanboys a bit uh, about sure. a character or two and they really push Jon on you on this show. And it was almost never going to be him as King. Sure. He yeah. didn't it want it. Even if they handed it to him, I would have expected him to hand it to Sansa or someone else. Right. right? It's a, you know, the the show may does a good job of a lot of cases where people getting handed stuff that they don't want, they have they either find ways to turn it down yeah. or give it to someone else or whatever. So I think John being king would have been the least believable thing. I th but, I'm glad we didn't walk into that. And it it just leaves me just you know, he's beyond the wall doing whatever and, and you can't be upset about that, but I feel like him getting there could have been a more organic choice of him yeah. saying, you know, my sister that I like is leaving. I don't want to be part of this anymore. I'm going north to 
Or, you know, maybe he decides that this is his penance for having killed the woman he loves, right? They could have sold it from that angle, but they didn't do that either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, like, oh, I can't live with myself for having done this to someone I love, even if it was the right thing. I deserve to be exiled. And then he exiles himself. But yeah. So a lot of the time that we've talked about this, I think, is we're left with, could we have thought of an idea that made that fit better? And that is down to time. If we had had it's more time. It's all about time. They came up against so many issues that they had to solve in 15 minutes, not in five episodes. Or even in one episode, right? Like if a bunch of these endings, not even the endings, if a bunch of these issues we've had with the way things shook out were given an episode to themselves before the final confrontation, you could have bought it, right? Yeah, easy. But yeah. there wasn't enough screen time to do that. And so, unfortunately, we got this. <laughs> um, again, you know, I still think it's a great show. And, you know, there's so much amazing stuff in the early seasons. And even the later seasons, there's good stuff in them, too. I just, you know, I was I was underwhelmed with what should have been a really grand, magnificent ending. And it just was kind of like, okay. I definitely was not underwhelmed by the scale that they put into these things. I I definitely was impressed, especially by the cinematography used in the two big battles this season of just how beautiful they were. I think writing wise, they, they, they ran on and you were kind of like, Oh my God, these are getting long. Yeah. But, but that's not the director's fault or anything like that. It's just, it's a matter of what they wanted to spend time on. And, and I think that I was impressed by that, but left with episode six, you're kind of, you're, you're, <laughs> of all the things that we say cliff note about, it, you're left literally with episode six being, like we said, the one-liner epilogue, basically. Well, it, was, it was very hurriedly taking the broken pieces of a beautiful vase and sweeping them into a dustbin and putting the lid on the show. Yep. Yep. Which is, all right. it's a way to end it, but it's not maybe... Uh, watching somebody blow glass and build a new base. Right. Well, I think that's kind of <laughs> all we got to say on this. I, we talked quite a while here. Yeah. Uh, are you are you eagerly awaiting a book or are you turned off of the books? I'll read the books when they come out, if they come out. Sure. <laughs> I, I think that's my opinion. I will read them if they come out. I don't know that they will. Okay. We know people have Game of Thrones takes. We know uh, the internet is hot with them. If you want to be, we weren't like overtly positive or anything on this, but we were not like targeting specific people and negative. So yeah. if you want to, I'm not, you want I'm to be critical, like, where would yeah. people be critical or tell us that we were, we were too critical and that you liked some things that we didn't like. Uh, you can head, send those takes over to our YouTube. Uh, we were gamers search that on YouTube and we'll, uh, duke it out in the comment section there. Also, you can send emails to podcast at webergamers.com and we will read them and perhaps talk about them. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook at We Were Gamers. Check those out. Uh, follow us on Twitter similarly and subscribe to this podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. Well, on to the next one. Hopefully there's a new... What's? Are you going to watch the uh, Aragorn series? Is that the new thing? Is that what we're going to do? I don't know, man. There's that Watchmen series on HBO. Is that, that going to be good? pretty good. It looks good. Prequel I like, thing? I like the Watchmen. Or is it a postquel? Is it a, a postquel or a sequel? Or I can't tell. 